Hey everyone, welcome back to another episode of Teal Time with David Teal. I'm Jonathan Heater alongside David Teal. How are you? I'm doing great. How about you? I'm okay. How was your trip to the uh, Steel City? The trip up there was terrifying. Weather? Oh, Pennsylvania Turnpike is narrow. Yeah. It's windy. Yeah. Dark. It's raining. It can get foggy. It's foggy. It's raining sideways, and truckers do (laughs) not care. You're on the side of a mountain. Yeah, and they're they're blowing past you at 85, (laughs) and when they blow past you, you're blind for five seconds while your windshield wipers frantically. It was it was awful. Well, I know we didn't. Much to people's disbelief that we set this lead up, um, we didn't. Much your trip was much like Virginia Tech's trip on the football field against Pittsburgh. Yeah, especially on the defensive side. We'll get to Virginia Liberty in a little bit, um, but the storylines just continue um, down the same path for for the Hokies. Can't stop the run. Fifty-two to twenty-two final. Worst ever ACC loss. Most points ever allowed in an ACC game. 654 yards of total offense for Pitt, which is a school record for Pitt. They had Dan Marino and Tony Dorsett, by the way. Yes, they did. And Larry Fitzgerald. And the second most yards ever allowed by Virginia Tech, Alabama and Bear Bryant and the Wishbone ran up 700-plus on them in the early 70s. But it was it was the rushing defense. I mean, Pitt had four runs of 50-plus yards. 53, 58, 73, I believe it was, and 97. That's, that's two more than Virginia Tech allowed all of last season. It was – it's the damnedest thing you've ever seen. And, and they, they are – Beat up so badly on defense, and then Hauschen gains starting defensive end. He he tears his knee up early on. He's done for the year. I mean, they're playing so many kids who probably never would have even seen the field this year had all the attrition not happened. I mean, it, and and I'm not picking on, but. Taiwan Garbutt, Zion DeBose, Nathan Proctor, Robert Porsche, they were just going to be bit players at most this season. And then all of a sudden, they're frontline dudes trying to stop Quadriolison and Darren Hall. And it was a mismatch. I mean, I understand that, that attrition and injuries play a part, but it's one thing to lose. It's yeah. another thing to give up 14 yards a carry. They give up 13.9 yards per play, period. It, I mean, that's staggering. Hall St- averaged 27 yards a carry. Yeah. That's a great kickoff return average. Mm-hmm. No, it, yeah, he went for like a buck 86 on seven carries. Olsen <laughs> averaged 15 a carry. Yeah, skewed by, I mean, we had we had left the press box and were making our way downstairs because we thought it was all over. Well, it was all over. <laughs> but we, it was all over really quickly. But, but we thought the carnage was all over, and we're making our way to the elevator, and they're piping the radio broadcast through, and all of a sudden there goes Olsen for 97 yards, and you're, 
you're just shaking your head. Well, I mean, so I know what's left. I mean, they have a game against Miami, which, you know, my gosh, if you're looking for an antidote for your bad defense, the Hurricanes offense sure may help. And then you have Virginia. Right. And you've got to win both probably, right? Unless Unless, you add a a late game. Unless you schedule that 12th game against a Marshall or a Southern Miss. or I mean, they beat Southern Miss. Marshall. Yeah. But you you got to win one of the last two before that twelfth would even matter, right? You know, Miami Virginia Tech was going to be for the Coastal Division Championship, and here comes Virginia Tech limping in with three consecutive losses, and Miami's lost four straight. I don't think they've lost five straight since the seventies. Wow. Yeah, I mean, this is a, has to be a nominee for game that was most circled before the season. And now, no, I mean, unless you care deeply about Miami Virginia Tech, no one cares. No. I mean, it's all that matters is both teams scratching and clawing for bowl eligibility. For bowl eligibility. Yeah. And, and the prize of that is playing in a bowl well before New Year's Day. Here's another thought. Maybe before Christmas. Here's another thought. As we headed in to week one, Labor Day weekend – Virginia Tech is ranked. Florida State is ranked. Who would have thought we'd be here at week 12 figuring that neither is probably going to make a bowl? Well, Florida State's definitely not making a bowl. Because they're not beating Florida. Well, they're going to win two, right? Yes. And they have who this week? I don't even know who they play. They have someone this week that I don't think that they're going to beat. I think they're going to finish four and four and eight. They have Boston College this week. I know Boston College is banged up, but they're still better than Florida State. Yeah. And yep. so you're talking about a Florida State team that's 4-8 and eight has to be in contention for the worst Florida State team either of us have ever seen. Yes. They've made a bowl in, what, 36 straight years? Mm-hmm. Dating Virgi- back to the early 80s? Yeah, and, Virgi- and Virginia Tech 25. The odds of, of those two bowl streaks ending this year when they met on Labor Day night, both nationally ranked. I would guess that you'd have to go back a long time to find a year that Miami, Virginia Tech, and Florida State didn't make a bowl. Now, Florida, my, Virginia Tech's a little skewed because once you get back into the 80s, they weren't yeah, good. Right. Uh, but Miami was obviously very good in the 80s. And Florida State was getting on the rise in the 80s. But the the levels i mean in the ACC which we think is very competitive but is super top heavy with one powerhouse team the fact that all three of those schools may miss bowls is incomprehensible i agree so assuming none of the three make make bowls obviously Justin Fuente is going to keep his job right. and and you know based all, on all, all three of them are going to keep Taggart, their jobs is you do you think there's any chance that Taggart's dismissed? No. Rick certainly should keep his job. Yeah. He may have should give up play calling duties, but yeah, there's no reason he should lose his job. No. Based on what happened last year. No, none of the three is gonna lose his job. There's been you've seen what is potentially possible with Fuente and with um with Rick, but you haven't seen it out of Taggart. Not out of Taggart at Florida State. Not out of Taggart at Oregon. 
Oh, he wasn't there long enough. I know, but you got to go back to South Florida, Florida. his mm-hmm. last year or two there. Right. And the expectations are obviously a lot less in, in, in uh, Tampa than they are in uh, Tallahassee. Yeah. Um, and, and, and back on the Hokies injury yeah. train, and then, then on the offensive side, Deshaun McLeese, the, the starting tailback, he doesn't play because he's not medically clear. We don't know what, what his issue is. And we don't know that he's going to make it uh, to play Saturday against Miami. There, it, it has been just one of those years that everything goes wrong. And it, it happens to everyone, and it's Virginia Tech's turn. Well, so, I mean, Bud Foster, obviously, he's one of the better defensive coordinators over the last 30 years of college football. Yeah. I mean, arguably one of the top two or three. Yeah, he hadn't forgotten how to coach. They were right. the fourth-ranked defense in the country last season. Right, so there's no change to be made there. Uh, there's no change to be made at head coach. But considering how bad they're getting beat down the stretch, do you just chalk it up to an aberration in the lost season, or, or are there places to make changes? I don't, I don't think that – Justin Fuente doesn't strike me as reactionary. With Babcock doesn't strike me as reactionary. Now, maybe there are some things internally of which I'm unaware Quite possible. And might that lead to some staff changes? I, do, I don't know. You know, Bud has said that he'd like to finish out his contract, which I believe runs two more years. But he's my age. He's late 50s. He's got bad knees. You know, I don't think he's going to retire, but it wouldn't shock me if he did. I don't think anybody's eager to run him out of town unless there's something there internally, unless the chemistry is bad between, say, Bud and Justin Fuente. I don't sense that it is. No, the early in the season when they jumped into each other's arms at the end of the, was it the Duke game. Carolina game. Carolina game. <laughs> yeah, they yeah. seemed pretty happy with each other then. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I know that there's a lot of – it's it's a perfect storm of things that have gone wrong for them. It's it's you lose amazing. Your quarterback defensively, you, you you lose several key players in the secondary right before the season, and then injuries have kind of piled up. And so you know, I mean, sometimes those years happen, those seasons happen. Yeah. If and, and I go back, if you can't say that one play changed a season. But if you wanted to find one moment that flipped this season on its head, it was early in the second half against Notre Dame. They're down one, and they've just pinned Notre Dame at, what, the seven-yard line. Notre Dame has it done squat running the football all night, and then they go 90-some yards for a touchdown. And they haven't stopped a soul since. Well, I mean, that's that's for sure. Uh, let's well, we could talk a little bit about more bowl implications in in a little while, but uh, let's jump over to Virginia. Mm-hmm. Um, they beat Liberty. I, from what I watched, they weren't super impressive, particularly on defense early in the game. I know yeah. Liberty's has scored points this year and moved the ball. They have. Um, but but considering how well Virginia's played defense for a lot of the year. I was a little surprised at how easily, easy the Flames were able to move the ball early in the game. Yeah, and could have had more points. You know, missed a 
you know, had a, had a fourth down where they, they didn't make it uh, deep in, in Virginia territory. And the final was 45-24. And I think Virginia was better defensively in the second half, uh, certainly, and, and, and got it cranked up. And, you know, Virginia's hurting too. You know, they lost – uh, another offensive lineman on Saturday, uh, Dylan Rankinsmeyer. I believe he's got a concussion. He's in protocol now. That doesn't bode well for this Saturday at, at, at Georgia Tech, which is a real difficult game for the Cavaliers the way uh, the Jackets are playing. Jackets have won three straight, suddenly resurgent. They're bowl eligible after, after beating Miami at home Saturday night. I believe it's senior day in Atlanta because the Georgia game is in Athens. And might it be Paul Johnson's last game at Grant Field? Jeff Schultz of The Athletic, formerly of the Atlanta Journal-Constitution, who you know very well, who I know very well. Mm -hmm. Jeff had an interview last week with CPJ and then wrote a column speculating, might he retire after this season? And you and I know how columnists work. You certainly know how columnists work. You happen to be one. You don't write that unless you got a pretty good idea that it's going to happen. I think if that happened, it, I think both it works out best for both for all parties because I know that Georgia Tech seems to have a year in them every few years. It seems like it's gotten a little stagnant, don't mm-hmm. you think? Yeah. Over the last four years or so. Um, Ever since that Orange Bowl year. Yeah, they were. When they beat Mississippi State in the Orange Bowl, which had been ran, ranked number one earlier in the year. Ran them off the field. Yeah. And Justin Thomas came back the next year, and they immediately took a little bit of a nosedive. And, and they've been mediocre since, but they haven't had the same kind of – that run over the first you know seven or eight years of Johnson's tenure where every – two or three years they were in the ACC championship game. And I think they've been to two BCS-level bowls in his time there. Yeah. Um, I mean, it's hard to argue with what he he's done oh. at, at Georgia Tech. I mean, outside of um, Bobby Ross, you're talking about two of the – probably arguably the two best coaches at Georgia Tech since – I mean, you got to go back to Bobby Dodd. Yeah. Um, but – It'd be a great prop bet if Paul Johnson retires, will his successor – match his CPJ's record? Well, so a couple of things about Georgia Tech. I mean, from a recruiting standpoint, it's hard to get kids in. Yes, but academically. There's there's few few campuses in the country, to me, that are more appealing than downtown Atlanta. I mean, you've been to Georgia Tech many times. It's a city inside the city. Yes. It's a, I mean, on a Saturday night, it's one of the best views you can get in college football right there at the city skyline. It's a great, it, it, I love the city. I'm from the city. Yeah. Uh, I think it's a super appealing. Um, Facilities are getting better. They yeah. build an indoor. They have an indoor facility. Yeah. yeah. I, I think it's a, I think it's an appealing city to recruit to. Um, but the academics are a problem. And there, there's been struggles for people to have sustained success. I mean, Georgia Leary did very well there, but he had a transformative quarterback. Chan Gailey did very well there. It, 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 I don't know that with the limitations they have now, 
if anyone could consistently win more than seven games over a long stretch of time. Yeah, agreed. Unless the administration is willing to drop some academic standards. It, 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 there can be years where you pop 10 wins, but you, you can't be – it's too hard to be a Clemson with, with the academic restrictions. Agreed. Um, but, yeah, it'd be fascinating. And they don't – I don't think – there's so many more people more qualified to say what I'm about to say than I am. I don't think they're flush with cash. No, they're not. To go chase someone. I no. mean, they've been playing buyouts to Paul Hewitt and Chan Gailey and, oh, who was the date? Brian Gregory. I mean, mm-hmm. they've – I think they've they've got – they've had a lot of money to come up with when they've, when they've terminated coaches. I know Hewitt had a big payout. Yes, they did. And I think Chan Gailey had a buyout. Um so, and it's a, it's a stepping stone job. George O'Leary showed that, right? Yeah. Bobby Ross showed that. He went to the, the Chargers after. the after Every the defensive coordinator in the Coastal Division would do cartwheels. They would. They would. If he retired. But, like I said, considering where you can recruit, you know, and how weak the Coastal has been, mm-hmm. you, know, you could go in there and, and be one of the powerhouse schools. Yeah. Lost to – you know, with with Virginia's win over Liberty, the Cavaliers are now assured of a winning season. Now that they're sitting there at seven and three, first winning season since 2011, when they went eight and five under Mike London, he was ACC Coach of the Year. So I mean, it's it's, it's been a, a terrific year in Charlottesville. And it's a very challenging week, though. I would think, don't you? Yeah. Oh, I do. I don't. I don't think Virginia is going to beat Georgia Tech. I think they got a great chance to beat Virginia Tech, but <laughs> regardless of what happens this week. Yeah, but Saturday's Saturday's going to be difficult for them. I would think so. Georgia Tech seemed to have found something, regardless of quarterbacks. You know, Tobias Oliver had a great game a few weeks ago. Taquan Marshall played well on Saturday against Miami. Yeah, and and they're playing them both. Yeah. So, uh, you know, I, what was encouraging for Virginia against Liberty from the offensive side is that all year it's, it's been essentially Bryce Perkins, Alamane Zacchaeus with the occasional Jordan Ellis. Well, Saturday night against Liberty, they had Perkins running for 80-plus yards. They had Jordan Ellis running for 100-plus yards. Zacchaeus had a good game, and then all of a sudden you throw in Joe Reed, who's another dynamic player, and he's not only a factor on offense, he returns a kickoff 90-plus yards for a touchdown. You, you get all four of them in dynamic positions in a game, and that offense is really a load. Uh, well, it, it's going to be – I think Georgia Tech wins too, um, but, you know, wouldn't really surprise me if, if Virginia goes down and, and, and runs the table the rest of the season. I, I don't know how you don't make them a favorite going in, in, regardless of where that last game is, how you don't make them a favorite going into the Virginia Tech game based on what Virginia Tech has been on defense over the last month. Agreed. But we'll have plenty of time plenty of time to talk about that next week. We will. Uh, just a quick run around the ACC. Duke survived North Carolina. Duke has been one of the more unpredictable teams in the league this year. Daniel Jones with 500-plus total offense, threw for like 350, ran for like a buck 80-something, had a 60-yard touchdown run. Man, he's an enigmatic quarterback. He is. As long as he's not playing UVA or Virginia Tech, he's usually pretty good. Uh, Notre Dame with Brandon Wimbush back under center. They they beat the snot out of Florida State. 
and uh, look to continue rolling on. They have a huge one this week oh that we'll gosh. talk about in a few minutes. Yeah, uh, Clemson, Saturday night, uh, they beat Boston College by three touchdowns, I think is what both of us said. But um, how about how about the numbers? And, and I know, look, Anthony Brown, BC starting quarterback, went down in the first quarter, not to return. I meant to Google it this morning. I'm not sure what his status is moving forward. Both he and Dylan were both. I think Dylan has has been nursing an injury. Yeah, and but they, but but Brown may be. Yeah, he may be out. Yes, long, longer term. Yes, and EJ Perry they like as kind of an option quarterback, but you've got. The first or second best running back in the league, and you run for nine yards. BC nine yards rushing. Now that was skewed by a bad shotgun snap that sailed past Perry, and I think ended up costing them twenty plus yards. Give them twenty back. Yes, ex- ex- exactly. And that's they, still. Yeah, they didn't even rush. They they had 113 yards total offense. Their only touchdown was a punt return for a, for a score. Well, don't Clemson's don't. defense is unbelievably good. Yeah, I mean, but and your strength on strength. I mean, that's yeah. I tell you this, Michigan doesn't want to play Clemson. I'm, Alabama doesn't want to play. Clemson. Uh, I don't think no, Alabama. No, Alabama. If you gave Alabama his choice of who it. Alabama would. Alabama and Clemson are clearly above. I think Clemson can give Alabama all it wants. I think that Clemson is the best suited to compete with Alabama. Yeah. I don't think anyone can give Alabama right now a, a close enough test to make Alabama sweat. Oh, now, I disagree. If, if two is. Got some injury problems. If he's had that nagging knee injury, right. if that's a problem, you know, going into the playoff, then maybe. But I, I still haven't seen anything. I mean, they beat, they shut out LSU last week. They darn near could have shut out uh, Mississippi State this week. I mean, you're talking about two shut up, two shut. They did shut them out. I thought they gave up a late touchdown. Did they shut them out? If they, if they did, it, it proves my point even more so. That you shut out two teams that were top fifteen teams at some point this season, I mean they're just their defense and their defense may be the weaker point of this team. That's what you thought coming in, right? Didn't they? Didn't they lose uh, eight starters yeah. from last year? I mean, they, this is definitely not the the defenses of old where they had four or five first round pick type guys on them. Um, they're very very good, but two is clearly the the highlight guy on that team, um, the centerpiece of, of everything they do. So if he's hurt, uh, you know, I, there are five or six teams that could beat Alabama. Mm-hmm. If he's healthy, I don't think there's a team that can beat Alabama. Yeah, I know they, you disagree. They, they beat Mississippi State 24 so, nothing. dude. So they're 40, what, 47 to nothing over the last? 53. They, they, beat, L- they beat LSU 29 right, nothing, right, right. and then Mississippi State 24 nothing. Which I think the line for that Mississippi State game was 24 and a half. Nice. <laughs> the hook gets you every time. Um, but, uh, yeah, I, I, I know you have a little bit more confidence um, in Clemson oh, I do. playing with them. But I think Clemson's clearly the second-best team in the country. I'd love to see Clemson play Notre Dame because I think Notre Dame, 
what they do running the ball is interesting, but then Book gives them another dimension if he's healthy. Yeah. Um, so I'm I'm really intrigued to see the Notre Dame game this week, but we'll we'll get to that in a second. <laughs> uh, the two big eye popping results of the weekend um, that we haven't talked about: Wake Forest beating NC State on Thursday night. Wow, that was pretty shocking. Well, and and and, and how it happened? Uh, yes, how it happened. I mean, Jamie Newman. He played really well. He he played great, especially in the, in the second half. First career start. I believe he's a redshirt sophomore, so he's been in the program. Not like he's just coming off the bench com- completely unfamiliar. But wow, those those late drives. And he scored. I mean, they converted a fourth down on that last drive, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, he was. I believe he threw for two ninety seven. No picks. Maybe a pick, but. Uh, but three touchdowns, and what was surprising to me is Wake Forest went into the game, I believe, ranked last in the ACC in rushing defense, and NC State couldn't run the ball. Yeah, well, and and that kills NC State's outside chance at a New Year's Six Bowl. Oh, totally. I mean, they were 14, so yeah. it's, it's within reason they could have climbed up mm-hmm. into yeah, be, it, and be, now there's no chance. No, none. The other game that I take dear pleasure in bringing oh, don't, up don't we all? Uh, was Syracuse's thrashing of Louisville and the termination of one Bobby Petrino, the well, most liked guy in the profession. Well, and that, that happened Friday night. So Friday night, Norm and I are in, having a late dinner in Pittsburgh, and we're just chatting and checking our phone because there was no TV in the restaurant. And we're chatting and checking our phones on the score of that game. And I asked him, does Bobby Petrino make it to Monday? And I told him I didn't think he would. The buyout was huge, right? 14. Just a, just a note, if, if any Tribune executives are listening to the podcast, you offer me $14 million, I gladly <laughs> go away. Well, the uh... – <laughs> they're not paying Rick Pitino, right? Because that was a cause thing. Yes. So they got but, a little extra money. No, but they're paying Tom Jurch. Oh, that's right. A ton. What a what a trinity of those three. Oh. <laughs> well, uh, let me just say that uh, uh, you know don't think think don't think think you don't take things personal. But I grew up an Atlanta Falcons fan. And to see that man coach 13 or 14 games and then just on, walk, leave without even any notice. Didn't uh, he like leave going, a note on the door, literally like a post it like note? Yeah. And going pig suey on television on Sports Center that night in Arkansas. Yeah. And then what happened in Arkansas, which I uh, believe was he cop to, right? Yeah. Uh, uh, having a, Having some sort of a affair with someone in the football not some sort of an affair an affair crashing his motorcycle with her on the back and one of the great press conferences ever with the, <laughs> with the neck brace yes uh, i mean you know and that's that's just the 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 tip of some of the stuff there was there was a meeting with like auburn i think on a tarmac mm-hmm. at one point oh yeah so he he went to Western Kentucky, re- re- rehabilitated himself some, and then got back to Louisville. And then Louisville was foolish enough to rehire him. Does he get another chance somewhere? <laughs> Not if I'm the AD, but <laughs> I mean, what, and if you're him, why would you? You got 14 million reasons 
not to work. Because all those guys want to keep coaching. You see it with Larry Coker and Butch Davis. They're all chasing, you know, the the glory that they once had. Uh, Yeah, but Larry Coker wasn't disgraced. No. I mean, he, but Larry Coker was a, is a good guy and he just wanted to coach a little ball. God bless him. I'd have hired him at Texas San Antonio too. But you got to understand, David, disgrace is in the eye of the beholder. (laughs) If you're the one who you think you're not disgraced, then you don't think you're, you know what I mean? Like, I don't think Bobby Petrino thinks he's been disgraced. Well, that's, that's the easiest coaching search ever to to figure out. Jeff Brom? Yeah. I mean, he's, he's Uh, an alum. He's an and alum, and he's, he's from the city. He's like royalty, and apparently he's going to take it. Well, I saw he was asked about it, yeah, and, and he was he gave a very noncommittal. He gave I a very Scott Frost it. answer. Yeah. And is the, Louisville a better job? Than Purdue? Yeah. To him it is. Because it's his alma mater. Yeah, and his home. Yeah. So to him it is. All right, let's look at this week's games. Um, we'll start with some of the lesser ones and build up to uh, the big ones. North Carolina, as bad as they are, they shouldn't have a problem with Western Carolina, you wouldn't think. How many people? Are, what, what, the, the big question there is the over-under on attendance. 15,000. Announced, I'm taking the over. In reality, I'm taking the under. Louisville hosts NC State. Uh, Louisville hasn't been able to stop anyone for weeks. So I think you probably take North Carolina State. You would think NC State bounces back, but Louisville may be. They may just play freer. You know, the 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 burden is gone. I didn't see the talent though ever this season watching them play. Never know. I mean, we could you could say what you want about Bob Trino, but the man knows offensive football. He does, and they haven't been able to score. By the way, the interim head coach is Lorenzo Whammy Ward. Former Virginia Tech assistant. Oh. Uh, Clemson hosts Duke. No problem for the Tigers. Um, Florida State has Boston College. It depends upon how healthy Boston College is, but Florida State has, hasn't has shown us that they really care about competing in games this year. Doesn't seem like it. Um, and then Pitt-Wake Force is an interesting one. It is because it's on the road. Now, we haven't gone through the, the scenario. Pitt has not clinched the Coastal yet. They'd have to lose their last two. And Virginia would have to win its last two. That's the only way Pitt does not play in the ACC championship game. So, essentially, the Panthers' magic number is one. They, they play Wake this week, and then they close with Miami. At, if they also lose, on the road. If they lose to Wake, Miami has a lot of motivation because Pitt – essentially booted Miami last year out of the playoff. I think last year, if, if Miami stays undefeated and they lose to Clemson, maybe not the way they lost oh, to Clemson. Oh, not the way they lost. But no. they would have had a, a decent shot at getting into the playoff. Mm-hmm. Um, so maybe Miami has a little extra motivation. I don't know if they're if, if from a quarterback perspective it matters. Uh, but I, I think this game's going to be really close. Yeah. Pitt, Pitt, Pitt will be the sixth different Coastal Division champion in the last six years. All we're missing is North Carolina and Virginia. No, right? no. All oh, we're North Carolina is, won. All we're missing is UVA. Yeah. Um, all right. Some of the other games that that, that uh, matters. We'll we'll talk about this one first since it doesn't feature local schools. Syracuse and Notre Dame up in Yankee Stadium. We've been talking about it for a couple weeks, and sure enough, Syracuse is coming in there at eight and two. Couple plays really from being ten and zero. 
Oh, if they stop Clemson on a fourth down, if they, you know, Chase Bryce, Clemson's third string quarterback, completes a fourth down pass to keep that late driver alive. If Syracuse, they're in the playoff discussion. Yeah, and and then Syracuse's other loss is in overtime to Pitt, which doesn't look as bad as it did at the no, time. No, absolutely not. And you know, Dino Babers, along with Bronco Mendenhall and Pat Narduzzi have to be in the discussion, you know, they're in the discussion for ACC Coach of the Year. Yeah, I thought Bronco was a pretty good bet midseason. Now I think Dino Babers has got to be the front runner. We'll see how the last few last two weeks play out. Uh, Notre Dame, according to ESPN's predictor, is 75% chance to win. I, I still think, I know, I think Notre Dame is going to win. I do too. Um, but that's a big number. Seventy-five percent. Yeah, yeah. I'd give Syracuse a little better chance than that. This is, I mean, Syracuse has a chance to completely wreck the playoff. I mean, I know Notre Dame. I don't know if Notre Dame is actually in the top four right now. No, Notre Dame's three. They're three. So they Notre Dame can't lose based on their on their schedule. If they lose once, they're probably out. Right? There'd have to be a lot of other things that happen. What would the debate be? Between Michigan and Notre Dame, if they each had one loss, I take Michigan. Just throw out the head-to-head. Yeah, Michigan's played better. Michigan's played better. Michigan would have a conference championship and a thirteenth data point. Mm-hmm. But then, who would you put in ahead of Notre Dame? I take every one-loss team over Notre Dame. I what take if, what West if, Virginia if they only have but, one. But what if the Big Twelve splits? Well, then Notre Dame. What if West Virginia and Oklahoma split their two games and they both have two losses? Then I'd take Notre Dame. Would you take Notre Dame over one loss Washington State? No. Really? Washington State's strength of schedule it's is bad. awful. It's bad. But they have an extra game. They get a, they get a, a, a championship a ch- game. They get a championship game against a division that's as bad as the ACC Coastal, the Pac-12 South. <laughs> they do. They do. Um, I maybe I'll think a little bit more about that yeah. and we'll revisit it. But you know, I, I guess I'm I'm having a hard time focusing just on this year and not letting my prejudices of past years cloud myself. Yeah, you see, so you you just can't. I know. I you know. can't do that. Um, you put me on the spot too, so I blame you for this. Oh well. <laughs> I get blamed for everything in my house, dude. So I'm completely used to it. Um, but and rightfully so, by the way. I I should be blamed for everything bad that happens in my that's house. That's smart. Does she listen to the podcast? <laughs> I also am blamed for everything in my house. Rightly, um, I'm not letting you get away with saying that. Me not saying it. Uh, all right, Miami, Virginia's heck. That's a that's a hard <laughs> really game. Hard. hard, hard game. Miami's a three-point favorite, right? Three and a half is what I'm looking at. I, I've said all along that this of the of the last four games, when when Virginia Tech was sitting there at three and zero in the ACC, and we 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 sat here and said that's the most vulnerable division front runner we've ever seen. And obviously, we were right. Didn't take a genius to figure it out. I thought this was the game they that the Hokies were most likely to win. 
because I didn't think they were going to beat Georgia Tech. Pitt was going to be problematic on the road. And Miami just, you never know what who's going to show up. But all that said, Virginia Tech, I don't know if it's a bad football team, but it's certainly a below average football team by Virginia Tech standards. It is a bad football team. Miami is bad too, but Miami can stop you. Miami has some semblance of defense. If I'm going to pick Miami, I have no faith in the pick, but I would pick the Hurricanes. And we say stuff like this all the time, but I really think it is true for this game. It is incumbent on the Hokies to get off to a reasonable start, especially on defense, where they get a couple stops and just give themselves a little bit of confidence. Because if Miami bulldozes them those first couple possessions, it's going to get ugly again. I I can't pick Virginia Tech in good conscience. No, I, trust me, I've I witnessed their worst. So I can't you, pick them this you're not, week. You, and surprise, I can't pick them next week. I know that's a bad, that's bad radio, giving away my pick for next week. Maybe something happens this week to Virginia that changes the yeah. outlook. And that, you know, the, if I think more about the history of this rivalry and, and how big of a demon Virginia Tech has been for Virginia, maybe I changed my mind. But right now, as it stands, I can't in good conscience pick Virginia Tech to win another football game this year. And the fact that Virginia Tech has gone into that season finale against Virginia needing to win to preserve the bowl streak three times. The batting a thousand on that one, aren't they? They sure are. Um I mean, you look at the last three games Miami's lost, or last four games. They've at least been competitive. Yes. They, they gave up 16 to Virginia. They, they lost by two touchdowns to Boston College. They lost by eight to Duke, and they lost by six to Georgia Tech. Seems yeah. like their two biggest challenges. Uh, they scored a late touchdown against Georgia Tech. That was a two-touchdown game, too. Uh, Boston College and Georgia Tech both run the ball very well. Virginia Tech has not shown that to be a strength, right? No. So that make that to me that just the pop evidence just keeps piling up. It makes it very difficult to take Virginia Tech. I I I think we mentioned this earlier, uh, and I don't know how much more to talk about it. But I think Georgia Tech beats Virginia as well. I do too. I just and, and it has nothing to do with how Navy bulldozed UVA in the, in the military bowl. Yeah, Clear, I, I don't. I'm, I wouldn't even count that. No, I don't. I don't either. This is clearly a different team. It's clearly a better team. And that Navy squad, by the way. Was good. Yes, and I don't think it's as I, I I don't think Georgia Tech is as good this season as Navy was last season. But all all things being equal, I still think Georgia Tech wins on Saturday. I think it's going to be really close. I have no idea what the number is. It um, the Georgia Tech. Let me go back to my screen that I had that on. Georgia Tech is a six and a half point favorite. Give me Virginia. All right. Well, we'll see. Uh, speaking of Navy, does does uh, does Maryland go in, over to Annapolis to look for a new football coach? I don't know. Be an interesting hire, obviously, given his given Coach Niyama Tololo's Paul Johnson roots. 
midshipmen clearly struggling this season would make it a little more difficult sell. But his overall track record is impeccable. I, mean, yes. I, I think he's a heck of a football coach. Well, you know what would be really interesting to me is if, if Paul Johnson does retire, does the Georgia Tech administration look to, to Navy again? Does, do or they, does it look to Army? Right, to Jeff Monken or Kennesaw State, which has had success with Brian Bohannon, who's a, a Paul Johnson disciple, um, or or even uh, Ivan Jasper. Um, I, I don't think I, – I would think – Ivan if, Jasper, by the way, who is Navy's offensive coordinator yes. and who is – I mean, I've met Ivan Jasper. Trust me, really impressive. Uh, my guess is that if Monken or um, Ken – uh, were, were, were contacted that, that Georgia Tech is enough a step up that, that either of them would go. So you wouldn't get down to Jasper or Brian Bohannon. But it'd be interesting to see if they scrap the option and go another way or they keep keep along with it. Um, I would think they'd scrap and go completely away from it. But it'll be interesting. Todd Stansberry, the Georgia Tech athletic director, is a football guy. Played tight end for the Yellow Jackets. Obviously not in the option era I'd be surprised if he stuck with the option and if he did certainly there's a segment of the fan base that would want to burn down Grand Field <laughs> yeah maybe maybe uh, let's uh while we're at football a couple of of uh, interesting local notes this week um first it's it's not not we're not putting it down the list of things to talk about because it's insignificant. But Jimmy Laycock is coaching his final um, home game, right? At, History. At, no, it's not his final home game. Fo- it's final his final game, game. At, at William & Mary this week. Against Richmond, coached by a former Laycock assistant, Russ Huseman, which I think is really fitting because Jimmy's coaching tree has been well-documented in, in branches in, in so many directions. I, I think it will be a comfortable – game for Laycock from that perspective. I mean, it's going to be so fraught with, with emotion on Saturday. I'm really looking forward to it. We're recording this Tuesday morning. I'm essentially having an exit interview with Jimmy this afternoon. We're going to sit in his office, and I'm just eager to, to talk to him and, and, and write about what he says before the game and then to be there Saturday, 39 Season. I mean, we did. We devoted an entire podcast earlier in the year. Uh, we had we brought Dave Fairbank in, and Dave Johnson and I sat around talking about Laycock's legacy, and we can talk more about it next week af- after this this week's game. But almost forty years at one school, your alma mater, not yours, but but his, it's just remarkable. And he's he's at two hundred forty nine wins. A victory on Saturday would give him that even 250 and make the Tribe 5-5 five and five in his farewell season, which, given its injuries and personnel shortcomings and the strength of the Colonial, which may send up to six teams to the playoffs, wow. I think 5-5 five and five would be a testament to Coach Laycock and his staff to extract 500 from this season well, particularly and this roster. Given, yeah, given how bad they've been the last couple of years. Yeah. I mean, last year they didn't win a league game. I'll give you um, all the time you need, but I think the answer is going to be very short. How many college football coaches currently 
um, at division at FBS or FCS level have spent more years at their college than him. None. How many uh, have spent more, or how many have more wins than him? Is the answer zero? Also, I don't think so. There might be one out there. You are putting me on the spot. <laughs> I am. But I thought he had more wins than any other active, active coach. It Certainly w- at his alma mater. Yeah. I mean, it, it was really close going into the preseason between him and a, and a couple more obscure guys. But it's – no, his, his – Jimmy Laycock is going to the College Football Hall of Fame as soon as he is eligible. And if he doesn't – it's a travesty. Eventually, he will get there. He should be an immediate guy as soon as the eligibility comes up, where he will join his good friend Frank Beamer. What 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 do you think uh, his legacy is, or what? I I know we we'll talk more about this next week, but just quickly, and we can get into this more next week. Um, what what do you think the biggest kind of signpost he's he's leaving is? Just tenure? No. I think it's more than that, Jonathan. That's that's part of it, stability. But then you look at what he literally and figuratively built there, an admirable program that never tried to shortcut the college's unyielding academic standards, that somehow, some way, was nationally competitive with and I don't think this is too strong a word, deplorable facilities. And now you look at that new stadium upgrade, you look at the Laycock Center, which is the football operations building, and that that is a literal testament to what he built. And never, ever in his 39 years was it about him? Not in his mind. He never wanted it to be about him. I don't know if Saturday they have, I'm sure they have some kind of special ceremonies planned. I don't know the details. But if Jimmy has his way, his team will enter the field as it has for every game in his tenure with the players going first. And then he's last. He doesn't lead the charge out of the tunnel onto the field. He doesn't want to want to be the first person that fans see when the team comes on the field. He just wants to linger in the back and mix in. And he would prefer that Saturday be that way, but clearly it will not because they're saying goodbye, literally, to a legend. He is second among active coaches behind Al Bagnoli. Yeah, I, I who, knew. Who was at, who had two more wins going into the season. He's at Columbia. Yeah. And he's also won five. He's won five games this year. Um, Brian Kelly is, is sneaking in there at 239 going into the season. Um, so that he's at what two? Well, he'd be tied right now, right? He has ten wins. Mm-hmm. So that's that. He's a guy that's kind of, kind of you forget about the Grand Valley State. Now, if you're counting just Division One, Division One wins, he's obviously not yeah. not in. There. And I think some of Bagnoli's wins were Division Two as well, if I'm not mistaken. 
yes. In fact, probably most of them. He, or not most, but he coached 10 years at Union College in New York. There you go. And then spent um, 22 years at Penn and the last few at, at Columbia. So in in terms of solely Division One victories, Jimmy is the current leader, active. And among all college football coaches, period, he's in the top 30, which is pretty crazy, yeah. ever. And part of it is longevity. You know, his his winning percentage isn't – 600 or 700 or anything crazy like that but i'm sorry it's it's william and mary <laughs> and for years before the one a one double a split william and mary was competing against you know 1a's all the time i mean if you're looking at just at one at one college too division one in history he's in the top 10 mm-hmm. uh, you're talking about tom osborne and Lavelle Edwards, um, guys like that, and uh, Tubby Raymond at Delaware. At Delaware, um, I don't know how many of those. I don't know if Tom Osborne was a is a, was a Nebraska alum. No, Tom Osborne went to Hastings. <laughs> well, there you go. Why Ed, do I know that? But I do. Eddie Robinson, Joe Paterno. Um, so you know that's pretty. You're talking about absolute legends of college football. Yeah. Lavelle and, Edwards probably was a BYU alum. I know he was Mormon. Uh, I don't know if he was an alum or not at BYU. He might have been. If he's not, then it's probable that Laycock is the winningest alum ever. Yeah. No, no Division One coach has ever co- has ever led his alma mater's program for longer than Laycock. I do know that. No. Uh, well, uh, Lavelle Edwards was uh, got his undergrad at Utah State. Okay. Uh, he did get a doctorate from BYU, but yeah, so he would be the winningest alum. Ever. That's something to be said. Game's been played for 140 years, 150 years, something like that. College Football Hall of Fame. Um, okay, there's another noteworthy game this weekend. Uh, the final game at Foreman Field at oh. ODU. Uh, Old Dominion's playing VMI, VMI. so they sh- shouldn't face much of a test. Well, and how about Old Dominion's comeback against North Texas on Saturday? Well, I, did, I missed this. They dude, win? Dude, they were down 28 nothing. And one. Wow. That's a good win. That's a heck of a win. North, North Texas, Texas was like seven and two. They were, and the preseason favorite, I think, in their division in Conference USA. No, great win for Bobby Wilder's bunch. Obviously, it's been a tough season on Hampton Boulevard. But wow, for, for Blake LaRussa to, to rally that offense back and for the defense to steal itself and play so much better after intermission, can't say enough about that win f- for the Monarchs. And, but you're right. After, after Saturday's game against VMI, they're going to start tearing that puppy down and, re- and rebuilding. And closing out, they got Rice. So that should be two wins. It should get to five wins. Uh, we thought after the Virginia – well, going into the Virginia Tech game, they may, Rice may be their – VMI and Rice may be their only two chances to win games. So – I mean, I know it's been ultimately a disappointing season, but if you look at the fact that they're going to turn around and probably win five games, one of those wins is Virginia Tech. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's a little salve on the wound. Yeah, oh, absolutely. But but I think they will they will rue that 0-3 start and think, oh, my gosh, what could have been if we'd just been able to steal one of those games. Especially the Charlotte game. Right. That you're, we, you're we'd, be, we'd be bowl eligible. That's what they're thinking. 
Uh, and the Liberty game is is you know it's hard to wash that one out of your mouth considering. Yeah, but you got boat raced. I mean, absolutely. You, boat you, raced. you can say, oh, but for a play or two here, we might have won this game, this game, that game. Liberty, you weren't in it. So, well, considering how many good teams or, or pretty solid college football teams are in the Conference USA, the fact that they have not given up any more than they did against Liberty is, is still pretty crazy. Yeah. Um, college basketball. We are, what, a few more games into the schedule. Um, Duke, Duke went back out and Cam Reddish set a record for three-pointers and Zion Williamson was like 12 of 15 from the floor. Again. And, and he's but, those and, are, and those aren't even their best player. And, and, and they only they only beat Army by what, 20? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, that di- was a game at halftime, by the way. Dialed that one down a little bit, I think, yeah. probably. Virginia followed up its season opening win over Towson with a fairly comfortable win over GW. I believe it was like 42-17 at halftime, and then they hit the cruise button for the second half. The Hokies, we, we haven't really had a chance to talk about them basketball-wise. They opened Friday night against Gardner-Webb. Ended up pulling away in the second half. And I think the story there was Isaiah Wilkins, not to be confused with the defensive player of the year in the ACC last year from UVA, but the freshman guard for the Hokies, whom Buzz Williams thought he was going to redshirt. He's he's 17. He was going to go out of Mount Tabor High School in Winston-Salem. He was going to go to Hargrave. And try to improve his recruiting stock. Hampton was among the schools that offered him out of Mount Tabor. But before he could enroll at Hargrave, Virginia Tech and Wake Forest and a couple other big, big time programs offered, and he elected to join the Hokies. Still thought he was going to redshirt, but he was so impressive during preseason drills that they decided to play him. And lo and behold, he sh- he shoots what seven of seven of ten maybe from the floor scored a game high twenty one points made five of seven threes and unlike his teammates did not get in foul trouble Buzz Williams was very unhappy after the game the Hokies were whistled for twenty five fouls against Gardner Webb that's more fouls than they committed in every game except one last season. And they had two guys foul out, both P.J. Horn and Kerry Blackshear Jr. fouled out in minimal minutes, less than 20 each. And the Hokies go to a tournament, the Charleston Classic, this week where they play two morning games. They open up Thursday at 11.30. And then, well, on, on Friday we'll play either at, I think it's 11 or 1, somewhere in there. But they open with Ball State. Then in the second game, they get either Northeastern, which is the consensus preseason CAA favorite, or Alabama, the team that knocked them out of the NCAA tournament last year. And then the other half of the bracket includes my preseason national player of the year, Carson Edwards of Purdue. Purdue at number 23 in, in the polls this week is the headliner in the other half of the bracket there in Charleston. So this will be the biggest – for the Virginia Tech, considering their non-conference schedule, this is their best barometer pretty much. Other than the neutral site game against Washington in Atlantic City, 
they do play at Penn State in the ACC yeah. Big Ten Challenge. But I believe Penn State was picked 11th or 12th preseason in the Big Ten. Yeah, it's not they're not getting one of the heavyweights. No, not at all. You know, I know it's one a one game sample, but much like Virginia, they were really played a short bench too. They didn't have a lot of guys that played the other night. Well, and that's partially because well not not partially, but Chris Clark is still suspended indefinitely and Landers Nolly, their most acclaimed recruit, hasn't been cleared by the NCAA just initial eligibility. Again, for undisclosed reasons, we don't know why. And that's that's a day-to-day thing. When does he become eligible? That's two two players that Buzz Williams absolutely thought was were going to be part of his rotation. So far, I don't an ACC has an ACC team lost. I know there's been no upsets. No, there's been no great upsets. Well, Georgia Tech has Tennessee tonight. There you so go. So there's <laughs> there's likely the first one. Pitt Pitt's still unbeaten. I do know that. Yeah, they beat Troy last night. Mm-hmm. Um, Pitt score Pitt score, and they're scoring in the 80s virtually every game. Well, that's a, a welcome change from from what they were last year. Uh, and um, Jeff Capel, right? Yes. In the in his first year, and a, a local. Uh, kid from from here is one of his assistants, right? Oh yeah, Milan Brown. Um, that pretty much covers college football and college basketball. Yeah, I knew this was going to be jam packed this week. We had so much uh, to talk about, and next week really won't be much different. We'll follow up on Coach Laycock's farewell and Old Dominion's farewell to Foreman, and preview Tech UVA, and go over this this past week's games. Um, it's it's that that time of year. Hopefully, uh, everyone enjoys one more week before uh, they have to starve themselves for Thanksgiving. And uh, see you all next week.